words is the first thing we need to focus on because a lot of times we do it before thinking. So um, within this setting, I know I cannot show this video clip. Uh, and I, you know, as far as it goes to, maybe I shouldn't have also watched it. There's some conviction going on there too. Uh, but there's a scene in a movie, Glengarry Glen Ross, and it's with Alec Baldwin. Now he plays a very slick, foul-mouthed salesman. And in this scene, I'm only going to quote a part of it, um, this era, but he gives this acronym that he calls AIDA. And for that, as the way he describes it, it starts with, you know, again, the acronym for A is attention, and do I have your attention? I, interest. Are you interested? D, decision. Have you made your decision for Christ? And A, action. Go and do likewise. Now, if you, any of you have seen that scene, and you cannot watch it at work, maybe you don't even watch it at home, it is very profanity-laden. But what is in that scene is he was trying to motivate other salesmen. And you can see how uncomfortable and how berated and belittled those salesmen are at the end of his talk. And I really do think that describes the power of words. Alec Baldwin's only in this movie for seven minutes, but yet this scene, I know, is requoted, replayed. It's been watched millions and millions of times. It's referenced in so many other places. And he got nominated for an award for being in this movie for seven minutes. And so yeah, that impact of words in just a short amount of time, I think that scene really kind of describes that well. But that's what I wanted to point out. There are really three situations where I think words have that lasting impact. And the first situation is in our world, our workplaces, our social places. Uh, I really believe that what we will say is either going to prove our wisdom or prove we are worth less than we are meant to be. Now, I'm not using the word worthless because that is not true. People are not worthless. But if we're not being intentional and we're not pursuing wisdom, then I believe we pr prove to be worth less than what the situation needs from us. And there's an article I saw online several years ago. It's called Six Harsh Truths to Make You a Better Person. They actually reference that clip from the movie I just talked about. But this other analogy he gives right in the start of the article is that imagine you are with a loved one and you're just going someplace. All of a sudden that loved one drops to the floor with a medical emergency. And as you're panicked, someone comes up to you and... They're like, oh, I'm here to help. And you ask them, well, are you a doctor? No. Okay, do you have medical training? No. Well, what, what can you do? Well, I'm a really good person. I, uh, I, I've, you know, always been on time to everywhere I go. I've always been respectful to my parents. You know, I have a really neat collection of books, really collection, you know, toys. If you cannot help this situation, why are you here? I mean, this demand for an immediate medical need must be met. All of those other things aren't going to matter. And really, as we go around our world, our social places, and you know, in our workplaces, that demand is present. 
People really care only about their needs being met. And as that goes with that needs being met, I'm glad, fortunately, most of the time, it's not a life or death medical situation. Actually, I'm not very good to help out with that, even though I'm working at a hospital. Uh, but since we don't have that immediate demand that we see, but the reality is still, there are needs to be met, and we have to prove to be skilled and ready to meet those needs. Uh, now, I like pretty much all things Teddy Roosevelt. And as I use that in the, the blurb for this talk, um, there's a quote that he says, which is, speak softly and carry a big stick. Now, the way to interpret it, actually, if you go historically, he's using that as foreign policy, saying we have a bigger military than the rest of these countries, so they better follow along. But I think where we are going out in our situations, that stick will be the trustworthiness of our word. Will this person follow through on what they say they will do? If we make a promise, will we complete it exactly how and by when we say we will? So we need to be recognized by our ability to keep our word, to deliver on what we say. And how best do we rise up to this challenge? Seek wisdom. James 1, 5, and 6. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Now beyond our trustworthiness, how are we known to others? Have we lashed out in anger? Do we speak differently at work than at home? Like, would you kiss your mother with that mouth? What are the things we choose to talk about, or laugh at, or just ignore, and let slide without speaking up? In Ephesians chapters 4 and 5, Paul lays out excellent guidelines for us in regards to our speech and how we use our words. And I'm just highlighting a few of those here. One, so stop telling lies. Let, our neighbors tell us, let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. I believe the next situation for us where our words will impact the people we love the most is in our homes. And what we say will either water their spirits to help them grow or will cause damage and see their spirits wither. Now, God has truly blessed me to be a husband and a father and also a son and a brother before that. But I feel that there's another person in our homes that we can often forget about, ourselves. And what we say to ourselves matters a great deal. For a long time in my life, I was single. 
And I had occasional dates, but I never established a long relationship until I met Amy, who I married, and it's been awesome. But during my single days, I did have a lot of thoughts as to why. I had many of my peers engage in relationships, get married, and I had some possibly well-meaning people trying to set me up with others. But I know that also one of the things was, is what I said to myself. I didn't like where I was as a career, and so I would say things as, I wasn't good enough, I wasn't going to be able to provide a family, provide a good life, so I wouldn't try to make anything happen because I knew it would only be disappointment. I also knew what I wasn't telling myself was the truth. And I needed to focus on what is truth to tell myself. But you have these competing messages that are running around as what you speak to yourself. So I would seek the advice of friends and mentors, but I had to start more often and with more forcefulness tell myself what was the truth. I do recognize this as a growth time in my life, and now I am blessed beyond measure with what God has brought into my life now. Uh, but I summed up that experience is really, if you're not getting something in your life, there's two reasons. One, you're doing something wrong. Two, it's not God's timing. And I saw how God used that time to teach me how to work through self-doubt and speak truth to myself. I needed to stop withering and start watering. Now, my wife and son also need words to help water their spirits. Now, last year when I gave this talk, I used two examples uh, from the book Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. Because uh, Dave, and this is, again, two stories of what happened to men in childhood. But Dave had always heard his parents fighting and his dad being verbally abusive to his mom. He was attempting to intervene and defend his mom, but in the tirade that followed from his father, the words that stuck, you are such a mama's boy. And Charles was a little boy and a gifted musician. He enjoyed playing the piano, but that wasn't impressive to his father, the sports lover. And he berated Charles with an insult, and Charles never played again. Now, those are moments that did far more than wither. Those words chopped them down to the ground. Now, our God is an awesome God. He is able to heal. He is able to restore. But those fathers have to live with the regret of what they said. I do think there are also other regrets. Uh, there's a chorus of a song, and as I've listened to it many times, I actually hear it playing in my head right now. Uh, but the chorus goes... It's so loud inside my head with the words I should have said. As I drown in my regrets, I can't take back the words I've never said. Because I think another way that those that we love wither around us is that we hold back our words. So say I love you. Say it often. Be proud. Be watering. Now, I'd heard of this story from quite a long time ago as well, called Johnny and the Ten Cow Wife. Uh, I'm unsure if anybody here ever paid a dowry of livestock when they got married, um, but I'm also sure that's not the best way to show how you value your wife. But 
In Johnny's culture, those years ago, Polynesian culture, uh, island traders, that was the norm. You negotiated a price with the father, and that set the value. Uh, everyone in the village tried to figure out what was the value of any future bride. And Johnny fell in love. And as he fell in love, everyone in the village was deciding she was probably only worth around one or two cows. So when Johnny asked the father for marriage, he started off with the number three, knowing he would be talked down. Then Johnny offers a never heard of price of eight cows. And no one can believe it. They marry, they go off onto another island for this trading trip. And after returning, all the villagers were amazed at her beauty. And some felt the price actually might have been too low. When, they asked, when he was asked why he offered such a high price, when he could have paid much lower, since there were no other suitors, Johnny answered, it's true I could have paid less, but I wanted an eight-cow wife. Now, I do know in Hillsview we have ranchers. I'm not trying to come up with some cow-to-beauty formula here. Okay. But what we do and what we speak to our wives will water their spirits and allow their true beauty to blossom. And this is a daily exercise for us. Now, the last situation, and this is one with eternal impact, is the words we will hear from Jesus Christ when we meet him beyond this life. And I still am amazed at that strength and peace that Joseph Drake showed here a few weeks ago with his wife's passing. I, to be able to use the words he did is... I mean, it's awesome, but that's also because he has come to rely on Jesus to guide through this. But there are also people at different times when they're told they have incurable disease and only have a few months to live. Uh, there's two people I've heard of over you know, time with this. One was Randy Posh. He was a university professor, and he was given such a diagnosis so he spent his last days traveling to other universities, and he was giving a speech. It's also become a book. There's video series. But he called it The Last Lecture. And he knows his time is coming. What are the words you want to say to others? And here's what he says. The key question to keep asking is, are you spending your time on the right things? Because time is all you have. Jim Valvano, who's a college basketball coach, knowing his days are running out, says, to me, there are three things we should do every day. And we should do this every day of our lives. Number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time in thought. And the number three is, you should have your emotions move to tears. And it could be happiness, it could be joy, sadness, but think about it. If you laugh, you think, you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week, and you're going to have something special. Now, what we will all face is meeting Jesus. And his words will either be, well done, my good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I never knew you. What are the words we are pursuing to hear? Thanks.